This is Creator Culture by Hashtag Paid. Hey, I'm Danny DeSatnik, and this is a podcast all about creators. But not just any creators, I'm talking about captivating storytellers, masterful videographers, and generational writers. Each conversation explores the impact creators have on people around them, and what you'll find is not only astonishing, but inspiring. Today's guest is Josh Clodoveza. You might also know him as Karu. He's the VP of Talented Fanjoy and works with some of the biggest Twitch streamers in the world. But as always, before we get to the episode, I want to share one interesting thing I came across this week in the creator space. And it's the news that TikTok has started its own music distribution service called Sound On. For anyone who doesn't know what a music distribution service is, it is the company that artists use in order to get their music on all streaming services, like Apple Music, like Spotify, so that people like us can listen to it time and time again. Now, the interesting thing here is that TikTok has become the mecca for new music, and it's almost been the launch pad for new artists, the biggest being Doja Cat, being Lil Nas X. But every single day, there's a new artist popping off on TikTok that labels are paying attention to, putting money behind, and it's fueling this new music industry. The cool thing here is that artists can get onto TikTok right away, upload their music through SoundOn, the music distribution service, and their songs can then be found on all streaming platforms all over the world. It's an easy extension from this ecosystem that TikTok's built for artists to blow up and for their music to be seen, and now the artist can take that next step to actually getting their songs monetized and out to the rest of the world on streaming services. I think it's awesome, such a smart move. I'm excited to see where this goes. So let me talk to you a little bit about the episode, right? Talking specifically about Karu, three things stood out to me that I wanna share before we get into it. One, he values the human element of talent as much as the skill, the competency that they bring, which I think makes him such a great manager, right? You need both. You need who that person is because that person is gonna be connecting with other people but then they have to be able to have a skill, whatever that skill may be, that's a little bit more unique than just the general public. The second thing is, as the VP of talent at Fanjoy, he's helping creators build their brand beyond social media. And what I really like about his mindset is that it shouldn't just be merch, which Fanjoy originally started in. They're now moving into a world where, okay, what is the creator value? What is the relationship they have with their audience? What does their audience know the creator for? gather all that market research and data, and then come out with a product that's worthwhile. And the third thing is that he's only 18 and already has so much experience. So imagine being 18 with all this experience and all this success. Imagine where he'll go. Imagine where you could go if you were 18 with all this experience and success. Yeah, this is me being a little jealous. Anyway, let's get to the good stuff. Here's my conversation with Karu. You're working for Fanjoy. You're obviously still in this creator space. If someone on the street randomly comes up to you and says, all right, what do you do? What do you tell them? I'm Karu. I am an artist. I'm an entrepreneur. I am someone who is an avid, avid fan of the arts, anime, gaming. That's interesting. You say you're an artist first. That was the first thing that you told me. Is this public? Because I know overseeing, managing brand deals, sourcing talent seems to be the LinkedIn bio. But the fact that you identify as an artist first, that's super cool. I think for me, it's just that everything I do can be an art form. That could be creating a deal, that could be executing an amazing campaign. There's just so many things you can do. Do you think that that mentality, like when you go to brands, if you tell them, 
this is actually an art form. Like you're engaging in an art form. Do you find that brands are more receptive to you in that way compared to just saying, oh, you're going to be working with the creator, you'd be working with an influencer? I think so. It depends on the brand because sometimes the brand doesn't really have like the creative outlet. You know, they don't care. They don't really see, you know, they already have an established idea. And so they don't want you to be the one kind of curating and creating a process. Sometimes it's the creator. Sometimes that's yourself. Like how often, let's say out of 10 brands that you're dealing with, how many of them are on that distinct, we have our plan, we just need you to plug in framework? And how many are more open to creative collaboration between your talent and their brands? There's two types of things. There's one that's you reaching out to the brand and pitching your idea. There's also brand reaching out to you and saying, hey, we love your personality, we love your image. We want to attach ourselves to you with our idea. So depending on where, how you're getting your business, it's uh, mostly right now it's 50-50 for me. Sometimes I have a bunch of brands already have an idea. We just want someone to execute it. Another is 50 where we're the ones reaching out to brand and saying, we have this idea, but we'd love for you to support it. Sounds like you guys reaching out, coming with the strategy, the vision. That sounds like it's a million times more exciting. Actually, no. Sometimes, sometimes brands, brands are getting more and more creative these days. Can you give me an example? We just did a campaign with Verizon for, for the new Samsung SS, SS 2022, I believe. And um, one of my talent, Hannah, they flew her out to uh, LA to go do a TikTok Live with, I'm blanking on, his, uh, on their name, but it was Bob something. And essentially Bob and Hannah would go to Koreatown and explore it. And they show off the, like, the capabilities of the camera through TikTok Live. Cool. And so that was them coming to you guys, pitching the idea. And then your talent, Hannah, and everyone involved loved it so much that you guys ended up executing. If there's a deal like that with such a big brand like Verizon, how long does that take to come together? They reached out to us like two to three weeks before. Sometimes you get you get a lot more lead time. Sometimes you don't. It just depends. I feel like you're someone who has a lot of ideas all the time. You know, you, you talked to me about, you said you're an artist. So there's the mentality. You also say that you're an entrepreneur. And as an entrepreneur, you're moving fast all the time. It must be a little frustrating working with big brands who have so many processes that you want to go through or that you have to go through before you can maybe execute the vision that you have. But at that point, you probably already have 10 other ideas that you want to go off of. It must be it must be tough. It's definitely tough, but you know, if you want to win in this game, you know how to pl- you have to know how to play it. If you want to win in this game, you have to know how to play it. So, teach me, man. How do you play it? I think that's a difficult question because it's you there's different types of wins. It's either you win a deal, you win a talent, you you win at a campaign. Ideally, I think the best situation is everyone is winning. Talent, brand, yourself. Because if you put out the idea of like only you are supposed to win oh i got so much money for this deal but the amount of stuff that the brand gets nothing like oh they're just they just got this but if they're they feel like they're winning too that's a relationship the human to human before you look at the transaction or even before you look at the monetary aspect yeah interesting 
So then take me back a little bit. What got you so excited about this creator space? How did this all come together? I think it was when I was a kid and I was sitting in my home and I saw so many creators just exploring the world, doing what they really love and just feeling like they can do everything they can. I think that idea of just like, you because your audience supports you, or the, there's so many people that support you, you can do something amazing and you can do some, anything you want. And that possibility kind of flames you a little bit, you know? Can you remember that first time that you interacted with a creator that like put that? Because I just saw you smile. So like, it almost feels like you, were, you have a memory in your mind. I do have a little bit of a memory. I remember watching, so I was a big fan of Minecraft. I still am. And I remember like all my favorite YouTubers going to these con convention called Minecon. I think it was in, was it in London or Paris? It was London or Paris. And I just saw how like they went to dinner, they got to meet people they love, they saw fans, they met, like they got this community. And all of that was paid for. And I was like, what? And like that, they vlogged it, you know, it, it was like a curated experience. I got to experience that the first time when I went to VidCon was when I was in Abu Dhabi, I came to speak at VidCon, but a bunch of my creators were also featured speakers. And being part of that kind of part of people were also, I was also a speaker. I got to travel. They had experiences curated for us for the country. It was amazing. And everything was paid for. And so it was great. Like food was free. Just the people was free and people you're paid to meet and connect with other creators and talk about what you love. And I think that's just so special. So experience so watching it as a kid and experiencing it IRL, total mind mind blown. I remember hearing you say somewhere like this idea of being a being an actor when you were younger, like loving to be like loving to perform. Yes, performance is everything your roots are in gaming are in twitch is that like i can see that di direct connection there here are these people that are essentially being performative for x number of hours to their audience and really building as you were saying that human to human connection is that why twitch was so exciting for you to, to jump into and get involved with i remember when i first discovered twitch i think i was really young and i wasn't even supposed to be on the platform and, and I remember I was playing Minecraft and it was in a Minecraft server and someone on my, in, the, in the server put in their Twitch link. And so I put it in, I put the little link and I saw them live. And so I was like, hmm, let put on my troll hat and just start like, you know, bombing them. I was shooting like fire arrows at them. And because I, I was in this like mode where you can shoot an arrow and there's like explosions that come with the arrow. And so I just started, bomb and they were so annoyed at me. And I was, I felt like such a little troll. I was so happy. I was like, damn, I'm ruining someone's day. <laughs> and then I played the devil's advocate on chat. I'm like, that guy sucks. Yeah, try get him, you know? But it was just me, just like annoying. This guy had like a few viewers, like three viewers max. And I was just like the one annoying him. And like his team is losing already. So I was pretty good at the game. So... I was just like trolling around at that point. Are you then a fan of other live streaming platforms in this space? Or is Twitch 
where your heart's at, especially with your talent? I think Twitch, Twitch has been and have been the pioneers of our space. But you know, there's up, there's up and risers. YouTube has been developing amazing tools for their live streamers. I mean, Facebook has been doing such a great job uh, on you know in Southeast Asia and kind of developing their program. Being from the Philippines, I know growing up using Facebook, I got to see so many of the people um, really grow their careers there. So I think they're also doing a phenomenal job. Talk to me about that. I, that was one thing I really wanted to, to hear about. I think one of the coolest things, as you were talking about before, is that in the creator space, like everyone has an opportunity. Obviously, you need to have internet or and you need to be able to afford a phone or computer. But with that said, everyone has an opportunity to win. What's the creator space like in, in the Philippines? I wish I could tell you. I it's very. I only get like little drops of it now. I used to consume it all the time. But now it's just a new generation, so I don't know. But maybe TikTok. They're all dancing in TikTok. They like to do the dubs, I, uh, and then like they like to do the karaoke, like oh, you know, my heart will go on, kind of like lip syncs. It sounds like that's not really where your heart's at. In terms of the talent that you do work with, I think this is super interesting. You are the VP of talent at Fanjoy, and you got this job. I'm sure through a variety of reasons and all for the right reasons, but you've been managing and overseeing talent for so long. What do you look for in talent? Because for myself, I tried managing artists in the music industry three years ago. Karu, that was like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So I think it's just, there's a few skill sets you must have. You have to have a lot of patience because patience is everything. Trust your gut. Because I, I think people don't trust their God a lot and they l- look at things for the wrong reasons. People get really greedy. Um, I, I saw that and for me, it's not always about the money. I've, I've seen it. I've seen something because I was that person. I've seen what that ha- what can happen if I wasn't that person. And for I think people forget that you have to educate your talent as well on your expectations and kind of pu- putting together like real goals. I think people put talent in a pedestal when it's supposed to be the same because we're working to build something for you i'm putting i'm going on the sideline to make sure that you're fine it's a straight road it's not it should be a bridge it shouldn't be a a london bridge is falling down if it shouldn't be london bridge is falling down it should be on equal playing fields is that the biggest mistake that you see managers or those that represent talent take with talent is that they view them higher than maybe they should, or they see themselves higher than the talent. It's that idea that, you know, how you talk, how you show the world is exactly how they're going to think the world is. And so you have a lot of influence to your people that you talk to and your talent. And so um, you have to be educated. But to answer your question, to find talent, there's no secret formula. There just isn't. There's no like magical... Hey, that's a great town right there. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, as a singer, you like singers, you can tell when someone has talent. But someone can be an amazing singer, but can be really bad to brand and market. Someone can be, like, so talented, but, like, it's just, like, that's it. Like, and I think because of our society as a self, we set such high standards of what it should look like, what they should be. And so, you know, you don't see people, like, um, in wheelchairs or like popular singers, you don't see all these things, uh, you know, 
Um, it's because we, we, we put people on pedestals. We put these people on pedestals. And so you want some, uh, so it's harder to find talent. You know, I think about this all the time because for myself, I work at hashtag paid. And so we have all this data in the back end of the creators that are in our network and you get to see their, their follower count and their growth and their engagement rate and their sentiment on, on posts and whatever it may be. But with all this data that we have, nothing is representative of a good storyteller and nothing is representative of a good creative. Yet you found some insane talent and continue to find some insane talent. So I know you said there's no perfect formula, but when you meet the person, what are you looking for? And an, and an ideal manager should be able to put people in better positions than they were. I think that's a responsibility of a manager. Now you can do like this. Sometimes it just doesn't work out and that's totally okay. Maybe they weren't the right person, but, um, I think when I look for a talent and I, I look for their specific skill sets, I look for people that already don't have red flags, you know, like really cares and wants to make it work, has, knows what they want, has a good understanding of the space and just overall not boring. That's so big. Hela is so underrated. Not boring. I, I think the most successful pro players are the ones that are that can that have kind of like an image to them, you know? Like they have like a little bit of a brand, you know, Tom Brady, you know, uh, LeBron James. They're really good, but they're like they have personalities and they put like there's a lot of marketing capabilities there. But if it's just a person a pro player, right? Let's say it's a it's a it's a Fortnite pro player. You can be great at the game, but if you don't really have a lot of personality, like. And it was what you're saying, right? You were saying that a singer can have an unbelievable voice, generational voice, but if they can't be a performer, if, they, if you can't build a brand around them, there's no way to go. It's almost like they're stuck in the middle. But I'm sure as, a, as someone looking for talent, it must be so frustrating. It feels like you're playing God and it, I hate it because it feels like you get to decide if someone's good enough to have opportunities. And I don't feel good about that at all. It's one of the jobs that I didn't I don't like that I have permission to give someone a better opportunity, you know? When I think everyone deserves a chance. I think everyone can be stars, but the world is the world's a little fucked up. So then bring me back to again, I I keep saying this you work with some amazing talent. Let's take like Sakuno for example who just crossed four million followers on twitch which is i don't even know what four million is that's absurd what did you see in him he gave me k-pop vibes like you know you know those like have you ever watched a k-drama and the guy is just like a little bit distant but like people love him because he's like quiet and shy and all that that's the vibe i got so because I, I grew up watching a lot of k-drama so he was so nice and like he he made people feel welcome and i'm like this guy's got it so immediately found a way. I was like, how do I get in touch with this person? How do I work with this person? I was like, and it went from there. And the rest is history. So tell me one other thing. Because when I asked you, what do you look for in talent? You said they can't be boring. But you also said that they have to know what they want. Like, what is it that Sakuno wanted? He said he just wanted to play video games. He, he wanted, that's it. He knew what he wanted. He wanted to play video games. I'm like, okay, I'll help you play video games. That's what he wanted to do in his life. So I was like, okay. Someone was talking to me yesterday about this idea of the influencer life cycle, or the creator life cycle. 
It humbles you. Because I've seen creators go from getting a ton of viewers and they're like, yeah, cool guys. Like, you know, they're like all the shit. And then like literally a few months, I see them in like the bottom carry with like a hundred viewers and they're like the most nicest person. So I think, I think at least once people should experience it because it humbles you. It humbles you that in a flash of a second, your career can go poop, poop, poop. And so then if you're, let's say the manager of someone that's rising, really, really quickly. Or we can take an example, Sukuno or Hannah, who's rising really quickly. What do you do as a manager? What do you do as VP of talent to make sure that they, one, understand that things can go down tomorrow, but also help them maintain that level so that they can stay at the top of their game? So I think all of us want their whole, they, we all want them to succeed and have a very long career. But that's not always possible. That's not always the case. And so we prepare them. We give them opportunities to do other business ventures, to go outside of gaming, you know, to go outside of what they currently do. But as much as possible, we talk to them. We have a real genuine conversation of like what they want to do, what they their self doing. And we create roadmaps. We plan it out, you know? And how far out do you plan? Two to three years. Whoa. Two to three years. Well, I don't tell them the plan. I only tell them the one year, but in my in my own sheet, yeah. That makes more sense. Because you don't want to add pressure to somebody. You don't want to like put like, hey, you have to do this at this exact time or this exact place, you know? You, but you have ideals. You have goals of where, where you want, where we want both. It has to be both. Them to be had at that time and place in their life. Have you seen that the D'Amelio family documentary? I think it was from a year or so ago where their agent comes in with like a massive binder for the next like two years and everything is planned out from appearances to shows to brand deals. That's probably fake. You really think all those dates would be right just in case, you know, things get moved or the pandemic happens again. Like, are you sure? They're going to plan that long? No. Three to six months at most. Okay, so we hear from you that three to six months is ideal, but in your head, as someone who's managing talent, you're, you're always going two, three steps above. Talk to me a little bit about what you're doing specifically at FanJoy. I think um, for FanJoy, we're really trying to change up the culture and how FanJoy is. We're not just a merch company anymore. We're looking to be the backbone of creators. We're the ones that launch and maintain careers. We're here for you and we will build your team. We will build your company. We'll build your merchandise. We'll build everything. We'll build your dreams. And so that's ideally where I'm positioning FanJoy to be. And how much of that is looking for new talent versus managing and helping the current talent on the roster? I don't. I don't look for new talent. I. It's not something. It's not something I regularly do. I just let it happen. Care about someone, or if I see in my Twitter feed, or I say in my TikTok, I don't look for it. Because if you look for it, if you're generally looking, you're not getting the natural impression. You can over you can overly like some because you're just looking for it. But if it's just naturally there and you're impressed, that's the that's that's what I'm looking for. Man, I would have been such a good talent manager if you told me that like three years ago. I was looking every single day, eight hours. I was on like I was on Spotify, I was on SoundCloud, I was you on Yeah, because if you don't even like them, how can you manage them if you don't even like them? 
Because you become desperate. You but you look at things that are like plain and they're like so funny to you. It's like when you get drunk in a in a date too much, you know, and everything they say is kind of funny to you and like. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever go back into management, but if I ever go back into management, that's going to be tattooed on my arm or somewhere in my room as I wake up. Don't get drunk on the talent. I like that a lot. Let the talent impress you. Don't look for the talent to impress you. So what has you excited for the next year, two years that you're like, look, you're seeing today or that you're noticing today, whether it's a trend, whether it's helping creators. The idea that I shouldn't be afraid of my platform because there's always going to be a new one that comes around. TikTok didn't come till a few years ago. Who knew TikTok was going to be such a giant, right? When YouTube came, who knew YouTube came? So that idea that a new generation, a new round of people can, that like there's always going to be so many opportunities to explode, to do something cool, to be part of something new. That what, that's what keeps me going. And so is that why it's so important when you're working with your talent so important to get them onto own channels, to sell products, to build up their own email lists, to have yes, to build out their audience. So it's not they're not reliant on platforms. What if you what if you're just a YouTuber and one day your YouTube channel gets deleted? What do you do now? So if I'm the talent, let's say I'm this like unbelievable podcaster, I come to you and I say, hey, like I don't know what to do next. I'm dependent on my podcast and on my platforms, and my audience lives on. TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, for example, what's the first product you have creators think about as they start to move into really owning their audience? I think it depends. Depends, depends on what you're trying to do. If you're a YouTuber that uh, is more on the dental field, then you get people to buy your dental stuff. You get more emails, you get more numbers. I think it's really just identifying where your, your, where your audience lives the most. So that's step one. It's where does your audience live? What are they resonating with? And then once you have those two answers, then you and the team at Fanjoy can go in and really build a brand for them that's right for their audience. Yeah. Yeah, we take research on their interests, their audience interests, find balance. So I'm a talent. I answer those two questions. I figure out what I'm going to do. When is it right to look for a team like Fanjoy versus doing it yourself? I think everyone should do it themselves. And why so? So you know where you're struggling, where you need help. How long do you think you have to struggle before you reach out for help? I don't know. Some people can be can be persistent and just struggle for two years and then change. I want people to know that what I'm providing to them is they're, they're actually getting value. It's not just me presenting to them. Oh, this is already valuable. They know they need it. I've heard you say that you need to experience it before it actually happens. You said you need to humble yourself. You need to go down on the, you have to go on that downhill. You were saying that you need to try merch doing it yourself. That feels unique because as a manager, here's who you are. Here's your vision. I'm going to help you with everything so you don't fail at it. But what's so, I think what's so unique and what, what I think is super cool about your perspective is that you're saying, no, 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 experience it first so you can really relate to it. And then we can work because then it sounds like it'll be a real partnership. For me, a relationship is about everything. It's about, you know, how you build and you build trust. And for that, you need to have good, good, good foundations. You can't, I would rather work with a new person than a rock star. Build trust. What does it take to build trust? Be just there. Always be there. Always show up. When you say something, you do it. Be a constant in their life. Sounds like you're a nanny. 
We are glorified nannies. We're catwalkers. We're dog workers. We're, we're we're babysitters. You're really inspiring the next generation of managers here, dude. You're 18. You're turning 19. You've had all the success. You've had, but not even success. You've had all of this experience so far, of getting to talk to these massive creators, working with them, brands, travel, talking with other great minds. What's next? It's that, it seems like you've achieved everything everything someone's ever wanted i don't know you know life is such a mystery to me and i like that i like not knowing what's next because it tells me that there's always going to be something interesting coming up you know what i connect with you a lot on that i i'm someone when someone asks me like what drives you i say it's the unknown once yeah. you figure out the unknown that's boring Right, what's, what's the next? fun? If you knew what your destiny was and you know when it was, then how are you going to be surprised? How are you going to feel that? You have to feel something. You can't just do the job and not feel anything. It's, once that happens, then why are you even doing that in the first place? If it doesn't make you happy. You know, I, I, I value time a lot and I value my life. I value my, I, I'm so thankful because I know what it's like to be in a very bad position. So I'm just thankful to be in my place, to know that my hard work is not for nothing. I'm seeing my my sleepless nights, my 2 a.m. calls. I used to I used to sleep at like 6 to 7 a.m. and wake up and my workday would start at 6 or 5 p.m. Someone needs to get you a subscription to Headspace or Calm app. Or maybe get you some melatonin. <laughs> no, it's great. I love my sleep. I recently discovered this brand called Avocado. And it's a mattress brand. And it's great. Ooh, shout out Avocado. Maybe maybe we'll get you your first. I feel like you can get as whatever brand deals you want. But this could be your first brand deal as Caro. Who knows? You know what? I, I'm trying to... I, I might become like one of those managers who like, sh like go on TikTok and like, Hey guys, like look how cool my life is. <laughs> But I'm much more of an Instagram influencer than anything, actually. What do you mean by that? I just, I like to create my Instagram stories. It's like telling a story, you know? Caro was eating this. Caro was doing that. And it's fun. So if you could be any type of influencer, like what would you be known for? Is it food content? Is it gaming content? Is it arts, performing? I don't, I don't want to put myself in a category. Because I feel like if you, put, if you put yourself in a category, even with creators, you lose out on opportunities. You do. You put yourself in a box. I see so many creators that label themselves in their bios as a gamer and a Twitch streamer. And I'm like, is that all you are, a Twitch streamer? Aren't you more than that? Brands look at it the same way too. If you they see you're just a Twitch streamer, they will always see you just as a Twitch streamer. They won't see you as a lifestyle creator. They won't see you as this. They'll see you as gaming. If they know you're just a gamer, you're a gamer. They won't know you're a lifestyle creator too. But what about the other side? Like what about telling a brand, hey, I am a gaming streamer that streams these games and cares about this like you define who you are isn't that more valuable for brands because then they know exactly the audience that's going to follow you it's a it's a double-edged sword when we see you come out with merch and games and your own companies no boxes no boxes no categories all we know is that you're karu the artist the entrepreneur the entertainer something like that i'm still trying to figure out my twitter bio if i look at your twitter bio right now 
It's Karu. And then it goes entrepreneur, aspiring artist, gaming, he, him. Oh, yeah, we got to spice that up. It is a little dry right now. You're only 18, 19, and you're going to have so many experiences in the next like three, four, five years. I feel like if we follow the Twitter bio, the Twitter bio will, will tell us everything we need to know about where you are. I like that. I like looking at the Twitter bio because it tells me what you are in the moment. I like that too. And this, this is fun because you can see people who haven't used Twitter but have completely different lives now because when they put the Twitter bio. Easy question to end off. You have any choice of video game and console in front of you. What game are you playing? Minecraft PC. All right. We're going to end it there. Minecraft PC. Always. Karu been a ton of fun having you on man excited for that merch so you still here what a cool episode the thing that stood out to me was how karu was talking about the idea of management sourcing talent and he said it's it should just come to you it should be that in the moment inspiration connection that you have to someone versus being so focused on trying to find someone, you might actually force yourself into a position where you think they're so good, you think they have all this talent, but at the end of the day, it really is just you trying to find someone or something that you can then hold on to. Cool mindset, if I would have had it when I was a manager, maybe I wouldn't be here right now. Probably not, because I don't think I have the skill. People like Karu definitely do. As always, thank you for listening. And if you like this, it'd be awesome if you could go to Apple Podcasts, Leave us a rating, maybe a comment saying what's up. Same thing on Spotify. I think they now have a rating system where you can go one to five stars. And we'll see you next week with what could be my favorite episode I have ever done. No joke. Have an awesome weekend and we will see you next week.